0: This is the Ebon Hawk Podcast. Hello there! Welcome to The Oven Hawk, a podcast discussing Star Wars news and Knights of the Old Republic. Today we'll look at the Mandalorian Season 2 trailer, spoiler alert for the Knights of the Old Republic series, and the Star Wars films and TV shows. This is where the graffiti begins. Alright, so we just wanted to get into your listener questions, and our first one comes to us from ironic.designs, and they ask, Star Wars female leads for films are all white brunettes. Should Bastila's race be changed in a film? What do you think, Coden?
1: In my opinion, I think Disney needs to focus more on finding talent than about diversity. With our last episode with John Boyega, it's been clear that they're big at marketing diversity, but they're not very good at like accommodating diversity. And so like they need to solve that issue first before they worry about like everything else. And so I'd rather them just find talent and work around that first.
0: I noticed this pattern with Leia and Padme. It kind of makes sense because they're mother and daughter. But then you have Ray. And then when it, the casting was announced for Felicity Jones and it was like a prequel, I'm like, okay, it's going to be Ray's mom. And then it's like, it wasn't Ray's mom. And then for Solo, it, you're kind of thinking in the lead up to Solo, Everyone was like, let me guess it's gonna be another British brunette. <laughs> Just kidding. They're not that dumb to do it again, you know? But then they did it again. And I do like Amelia Clark, but I think a lot of series are trying to recapture Daenerys Targaryen. And I think Amelia Clark, she's great in the Daenerys Targaryen role, but I think in movies. She comes alive the most in romantic comedies, so sometimes they keep on trying to make her a bad A woman, you know, in Terminator or in Solo, and I just think, like, audiences connect more with her characters in romantic comedies, like, she just was really good in Me Before You, and I think that Disney casting should have kind of recognized they were kind of hiring a lot of British brunettes, and kind of just utilize talent that wasn't all British brunettes. For Bastila, I mean, I am kind of partial to the casting of Vanessa Kirby, but if there's too much of a pattern, you know, and the best talent is someone else, like, I'm down for that. Um, I just want the talent to be treated and utilized in the best way that they can be, and Disney should treat them well and uh make sure they're treated well. That's what I hope for. I'm fine with like all types of characters. I I loved Rogue One. There were like lots of different characters in that in that movie and I thought the characters in the sequel trilogy, like the the actors and actresses, they were all good. Some of them just weren't utilized in the story, but I would like to see more, you know, lead characters who look different. One thing I do think should happen is some Asian leads in Star Wars because Star Wars kinda has lifted a lot um, from the Asian community, kinda like styles of dress and kinda like uh, philosophy. I just think it would be great like to have some Asian leads. Um, so we'll see like what happens in the next few movies, Maybe the pattern will kind of stop and uh, if Pestla is casted, it could be anything. Um, I'm good for whatever serves the story best and whoever fits, you know. And if that's Vanessa Kirby or someone else, I'm here for it. Like, I just want a good story, really. Then Ironic.designs has a follow-up question. What Star Wars characters need more merch?
1: Jar Jar Binks. No, I'm just kidding. Um, No, but... I don't know. I I would love to see I mean we're seeing a lot of like these lightsaber hilts releasing which we'll talk about a little bit later in this episode, but we're seeing a lot of lightsaber hilts releasing of um kind of newer and like Disney inspired characters. I would love to see maybe some callbacks to some like former Jedi Council members lightsabers be designed for you know Black Series or for uh oh uh, the Disney. Saber, whatever that brand is, and uh, I don't know. I think I think that'd be cool to get some of those in because there's a lot of really great lightsaber designs from that era, and uh, I'd love to see more of them.
0: I can't really think of some characters off the top of my head that I want more merchandise necessarily, but I guess looking at Knights of the Older Public, we see a lot of Sith representation with Darth Revan, Darth Malik, and Darth Nihilus. I would like to see more, like, Bastila or Karth, you know, or Béodur or Aten Rand, just kind of, like, some supporting characters, you know. Um, Like, whether it's Black Series figures or Funko Pops, just, like, kind of some more light-sided, like, fun characters, you know. Definitely there should be a Bastila, Funko Pop, because I think the world needs more, you know... Jedi women who have double bladed lightsabers that are yellow. So that's what I think, at least. But yeah, uh, more Jedi Council members, that could be cool. The world loves Plo Koon. And Kit Fisto, it seems. They're, they're very big. And then Grey Jedi 101 asks Do you think if the exile romance Vices Mar that they would end up together? Like if the exile came back from the unknown regions with Ruben. Um, that's the hard thing about player choice sometimes, is it kind of makes it hard to write a story that everyone likes. Because with Knights of the Old Republic, you kind of just had, like, one main romance, like, if you're a man or a woman. But in the sequel, it's like, you, if you were a male exile, you could have Vices or uh, The Handmaiden, and then if you're female, it was like Atten or the disciple, like Michael. But if I were playing at the male exile, I think it could make sense either way. I think like the Mar story was better just because I think that looking at the age, I think the handmaiden is kind of a lot younger than the Exile is because I think the Exile is like pushing 40. That's the hard thing is like KOTOR 3 didn't happen And then so a lot of it is left up in the air, but I mean the canon Exile is a woman and she got killed off You know and like none of her romances were mentioned in the Revan novel I think like if like KOTOR 1 and 2 were adapted they would probably maybe need to Shuffle some things around and the hard thing is like KOTOR 2 There's kind of like two different versions of the story. There's like the version that was released and then there's the restored content version so It would be interesting to kind of adapt and kind of juggle and then if you're gonna do a KOTOR 3 what would happen there? so I think it would be a female exile and then the fan-preferred romance seems to be Atten. I'm not really down for that, but... I mean, it'd be interesting to see what happens. But, I mean, in your headcanon, if you, like, had romanced Vices mar, do you think they would end up together? Yes. Like, that's, that's more important than, like, whatever we say. So... Because I, I think it could make sense. Like, it just... Depends on like the canon story and like what you did in your story. And then the Senate underscore dot squad says, "I'm working on a series, and I'm adding Kotor stuff. What things are you interested in seeing?"
1: I think that depends on what kind of series. Is it working on a a uh, like a anime? I think it's ser- like
0: a sequel series. What? like a, I'm talking kind about like of redoing a format, the sequels.
1: Like uh, if if they're doing a like
0: a story,
1: like a novel. Or- like a novel series, or like a like a CGI series, kind of like
0: chapters. Yeah, like a novel.
1: Okay, uh, yeah. I mean, I'd I'd like I like a lot of backstory, and so if uh, if there's a lot of focus on what we've brought up before is kind of like the aftermath of Terrace and kind of the reconstruction of that would be a, a cool little callback, and then. I don't know maybe maybe like inspired tech of Star Forge things things like that things that are kind of like highlights from KOTOR that are kind of like brought in as an Easter egg but like a like if this is a like a sequel thing and they're they're bringing designs from KOTOR just like an evolution of some callbacks to what we know from the KOTOR
0: I'm not so much a fan of fan service I like details that serve the story. Um so if there's details that kind of highlight the story you're telling and like build the world of that story, build the universe, that's good. Some some throwaway details like if you mention like Revan and like uh some of the history that comes up with uh some of the world building, I'm I'm a fan of that like in some movies, like, I think I've brought this up before, but Fantastic Beasts 2, you just randomly see someone with the Philosopher's Stone, and it's like, I don't think that would just be there, you know? Um, so I kind of don't like fans service like that, but if it serves a story, and the uh, audience members are rewarded for paying attention and remembering things, that's what I like, so... Whatever you want to add, you know, I always do enjoy like references to Revan and Bastla and uh, the Old Republic. At Jet Leia asks, why is the Clone Wars not in chronological order and why did Disney not change it?
1: I, I believe it was mainly just design choice of like telling the stories between Attack of the Clones and Revenge of the Sith that they wanted to tell. Also, season one kind of felt more like a beta test and it didn't quite get its footing until after season one and then the the final season before the disney season came out what did feel a bit more chronological because it was they're starting to lead up to points hinting at the events of revenge of the sith but then they had to they had to stop the series but yeah i believe it was just a design choice of like focusing on the stories that they were approved to tell and wanted to tell first and then just kind of fill in from there
0: Yeah, I don't think it's something Disney needs to fix, necessarily. Um, It's just when they were starting to design the series, I think just some of the episodes were finished before other episodes, and then some of them were released as the Clone Wars movie. So it's like, why would they re-release them as TV episodes, you know? Um I
1: think what's important is that the the arcs themselves are told in order, so it's you're not like getting one piece here and then you're you're getting like the middle yeah. story four episodes down and then and then like a prequel to all of that yeah when i when I watch the the Clone Wars, I tend to watch it by story arc, and so there's a lot of story arcs that I tend to skip. And then story arcs that I, I like to watch. And so for me, it's not really important about the order because I'm just kind of tackling what pieces I want to w- watch in the first place.
0: I kind of like that some of them are out of order because then it's like you're kind of kept on your toes and like you kind of notice different characterizations and details. And sometimes so for the most part, it's in order. Some of them are out of order, but I like having the occasional like Flashback episodes, but as they went on, it was kind of just more in order. And then the Dark Crystal meme page asks, which female protagonist is your favorite, Satel or Bastila?
1: I I don't know. I like I like Bastila. I think there's a lot of like a, a lot of character development that takes place with her. And so I think you just get to know her a lot more in Kotor as opposed to Satel, which you mostly kind of just see through cutscene.
0: Yeah, for me, Bastila is kind of the more interesting character, even though Satella and Bastila, they both have double-bladed lightsabers and they're both voiced by Jennifer Hale. I just think, like, Bastila's character is interesting because she kind of presents herself as an Obi-Wan, but she's a an Anakin and um, she kind of just begins and you, you kind of think you know where the story's going to go, but as you kind of, like, talk to Basile, you're kind of like she is gonna follow the dark side and then she does and she kind of has an arc like finding her identity what she actually believes i i just think it's good and i kind of haven't really played the old republic so i i love seeing satel in the cinematic trailers i'm just not as familiar with her story but they're both great Astronautka Art says, "What do you think of fan fiction? Are there any works on the KOTOR era that may be discussed?"
1: I haven't really dabbled with Star Wars fan fiction other than when I was messing around as a kid making my own and uh I scrapped that, so that's about as much as as good as I feel about a lot of fan fiction.
0: I don't really see us talking about it. Yeah. So we, I I just prefer to talk about kind of like official things rather than like fanon, you know. So
1: not to shoot you down, Astro, but but yeah.
0: And then Lorg asks, "What design aesthetic do you hope that future Star Wars projects have? Their own design or reminiscent of the past?"
1: I I think that solely depends on the era of Star Wars. Uh, as we've kind of discussed in the past, I. I would like to see a little bit of kind of like a, a piece together type tech for an older Star Wars theme. If we're going back to like Knights of the Republic or the High Republic even. And I'd, if we're going like super futuristic on Star Wars in a timeline, I I wouldn't mind since the Empire is gone at this point, I wouldn't mind seeing a little bit more of a technological revolution which i mean it's kind of hard to imagine with how like how sleek some of the things kind of showed up in the prequels but i think it would just make sense if there was just some breakthrough that they were able to, to kind of master in a in like a futuristic star Wars setting
0: i mean it depends upon what story is being told and when it occurs because in the prequel era, you kind of had more of a an artist kind of design style. It's like each piece was like a work of art, you know, and that kind of visually shows like the republic is free and kind of beautiful, and then the empire takes over and it's kind of just like everything's kind of run down, kind of just machine made just for efficiency, you know? And then the sequels, um, the design was kind of just a little bit more not being quite its own thing, but just like, let's make them like the originals, you know? That's the vibe I got, um, and say if we were going back to Knights of the Old Republic, I've been kind of thinking about what the universe would look like and sound like and all that, you know? The technology of Star Wars is pretty much so advanced that 4,000 years doesn't make a difference. You kind of want to, like, still have hyperspace, you know, and and all that. But you can maybe make it feel a little bit different, sound a little bit different. So I was kind of thinking it's like maybe, like, the original and prequel era, it's kind of like you have airplanes, you know, or steam-powered ships, and they go a certain speed, but like maybe uh, in the nights of the Old Republic era, it's kind of like you have ships with sails, you know? So it's like they still get you to point A to point B, but maybe not as effectively or as quickly and just kind of like maybe the lightsabers would be a bit different, but you still have a lightsaber, you know, you still have blasters it's just a different era, you know. People have always made do, but they're always still innovating, you know. So that's what I was kind of thinking. I guess I, I would just like to see a Knights of the Older Public era and kind of like do some spins on some, some certain designs and not take it for granted and just kind of like do the same kind of style over again. And then Droid asks, two lightsabers or double-bladed?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm more of just a single, but if I had to pick between two lightsabers or double bladed, I'd pick two, uh, a short, uh, shorter length style for my offhand and then just a full size for my primary. Uh, that's a, uh, but typically with wielding two lightsabers at the same time, you, you end up just kind of losing track of one and end up kind of primarying your primary anyway. So I I do tend to just keep track of a single blade and either use it with both hands or just single.
0: Yeah. In, in real life. I mean, lightsabers aren't real in real life, but I think I prefer fighting just with one, you know, blade. Like I do some fencing and like, like I forged a blade and it's just kind of fun to kind of, twirl around you know have fun with but um so in real life I would say like just one blade is good enough for me it's good enough for most of the people in the Star Wars movies but in Knights of the Old Republic when I'm playing I prefer two lightsabers as opposed to the double-bladed I think everyone goes two and Revan I'm pretty sure it was canonical that he used two so yeah.
1: I just used one in KOTOR. I'm I'm crazy.
0: Yeah. And I mean even in Knights of the Older Republic One, whenever you see Revan in a flashback, he only has one saber, like his Sith Saber. And then Obi One underscore prequel underscore high ground, that's a great name. What would Kotor three look like and be about if Swotor never existed? What would this storyline be about?
1: I think we talked about this in the past, but probably just While hunting down more of the, kind of like the remnant of the Sith of the time?
0: Yeah, I think it was episode 20 we talked about it. Um, That was the proposed story, is just the exile and Revan hunting down, like, the worst Sith ever. Like, planet to planet. Like, where they control it, and just, like, saving the galaxy from them. And... I would be down for that story. Uh, I'm kind of sad it didn't happen. I would have preferred just to have a KOTOR trilogy, and then kind of, like, have a Next Generation spinoff thing. But that's not what we got. So, yeah, but episode 20, if you want to listen to that episode, we talk all about, like, what KOTOR 3 is going to be pitched as. Pellino Medici comments it would be interesting to have a pod on the different ships or astromechs or something similar
1: that's a long long list but i'll probably take a look at some of like the major ones
0: yeah i mean i feel like i've kind of commented on some of the different ships on our instagram page uh like the hammerheads and the the sith like Malik's Sith ship, the Leviathan, um, and I feel like we kind of mentioned like the different uh, ships, like in passing, when it comes across, like when they come across in the story, and like what we would want them to look like, just like in the last few questions. But when T three comes along, we'll probably talk about some of the Astromechs of the KOTOR era.
1: Yeah, so. I know a, an episode that we did talk a bit about some ships was when we were looking at the trailer for the rise of skywalker yep and uh you know they, they had that shot where there was like every star Wars ship you could think of we we kind of went over the ones that were recognizable but
0: yeah episode
1: 1.5 yeah maybe follow up with like do you want do you want to know a little bit more about because ships is like a huge long list so like, do you want to know more about like the cruisers, the fighters, the yachts, and then because otherwise, there's there's all kinds of random nonsense like blasters that we'd be going over. Um, yeah. Astromex, thats a—that's a narrower list.
0: So let us know what you're looking for in particular, and maybe we've already talked about it, or we can talk about it in the future. All right, so let's just take a quick break and then we'll be back talking about the Mandalorian season two trailer. So we are back, and we're ready to talk about the Mandalorian Season 2 trailer. And it's hilarious because literally the day after we recorded with Kiefer talking about Mandalorian fan films, the trailer was released. Now it is here. Um, Yeah,
1: way to be spot on. That was hilarious.
0: Yeah, he, he called it. This trailer, it was an okay trailer. Nothing too, you know... Nothing too out there, but I mean, I kind of feel the same way as the trailer last year, you know, but then I ended up loving the Mandalorian season one, you know, so I think they're holding back a lot of details, which is good. So hmm.
1: I think my biggest gripe with the trailer was it was similar to the original Avengers Endgame trailer and the original Rise of Skywalker trailer. You know, which I I made comments in the past how there is a lot of similarities with the marketing of those two films. But with this one, the majority of the dialogue uh, in the trailer came from season one. And I would have rather have either no dialogue or some hints of some new dialogue that went along with some of the new visuals we were seeing. I don't know, I'm just not into listening to, to like, rehashed dialogue over the top of new visuals. I, I just kind of think that it almost comes across as fan-made and not quite official.
0: Yeah, I guess one way to look at it is maybe, like, the story gets going just in episode one, and they don't want to spoil it. That's what I'm hoping for, at least, but... One thing I thought was interesting is like how the trailer started. I was like, this is a really long look at a gaseous planet, like overlooking a green and blue world. Is this saying something about Earth and our place in the universe? It kind of looks like Jupiter, but then you kind of just see a beat up razor crest. It has an engine blinking. Did you notice that the ramp was like totally open
1: yeah it looked like the hydraulics were blown so it was just kind of flapping in space
0: and I'm like are like I think would Mandalorian be able to like just wear his helmet and that's like a space helmet but like baby Yoda like would he be okay I'm like is there like a certain like panic room in there it's not a spacious ship you know
1: yeah I think with with how we saw the ship designed. In the last season, it appears that the cockpit is pressurized. And so it's possible that the kind of the cargo area where that ramp is was depressurized and damaged. But that doesn't necessarily mean that the cabin itself isn't safe.
0: Yeah. So hopefully everyone's okay. I wonder how they got into that situation. We'll find out. Yeah, I did Um, like
1: that shot of just that you're just kind of seeing the gas giant with the moon kind of looked a lot like uh, Yavin 4, though Yavin is a gas giant. It's a bit more of a orange. It almost looked like Bespin in a way, but yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know of any moon earth like moon that orbits Bespin, but yeah. yeah. I mean, curiosity that's new. You kind of nailed the piece of a trailer that i like to have is to kind of instill curiosity of what we're going to be seeing.
0: One other big part of the trailer that is probably unsung uh, <laughs> pun um, is the Mongolian music group. I think their name is Hugh, and I think they did the music uh, for the first trailer as well. And if I got the name of the group wrong, just like, let me know. Um, but they sent an excellent tone for this trailer, uh, for the setting, just with the music. Uh, then you see some Mando and Baby Yoda on a graffiti planet. And then, yeah, just, like, some recap dialogue with the armor saying, take the child back to its people. And its people are the enemy sorcerers that the Mandalorians have kind of always fought with. And we kind of touched on that with Kiefer, that the Mandalorians and the Jedi, it's kind of like, they're kind of just two different clans. It's kind of like orcs versus humans, you know. And it's just kind of like interesting to see the stories of the people and how they unfold. Uh so maybe they can like grapple with that and maybe we could get some more uh references like the the term was sorcerers called Jedi, you know, and they're c- talking about the the dialogue kind of hints at the Mandalorian Wars and Mandalore the Great, which is very similar to Mandalore the Ultimate uh, from Knights of the Old Republic 2. And Mandalore the Great is kind of just the same as Mandalore the Ultimate. It's just uh, Mandalore the Great kind of sounds more historical, you know, kind of more real world, you know. We have a few the greats in our history like Alexander the Great, like they take over things, you know, so I kind of like that detail. It looks like we'll definitely be back on Tatooine, you know? Um, There's a few shots uh, in Tatooine We see a Tuscan on a Bantha. I wonder if it's a real Bantha or CGI or what they're doing there because The original effect was just like an elephant in a costume, but I don't think they're gonna be doing anything with elephants nowadays.
1: Yeah, and also I mean there's another kind of ice-covered world. I'm kind of curious to see what what steps he'll be retracing with that, because there's uh you know, there's the the saga favorite of Hoth, but then there's also Ilum. Yeah, Ilum. There's there's Ilum, which would make sense. That'd be really awesome to see. The Mandalorian kind of retracing some Jedi history and visiting Ilum to maybe uncover some clues of where to return uh, Baby Yoda.
0: Yeah, I mean, the ice-covered world, like a lot of people are speculating if it's Ilum, and Ilum has been confirmed to have been the location of Starkiller Base. So it it's what's interesting about Starkiller Base is It kind of takes the man and the machine kind of like the Darth Vader parallel to like the greatest degree that they could possibly take it. It's like rather than a man becoming a machine, it's a whole planet becoming a machine, you know. And of course it's destroyed, but it kind of makes sense that there's a whole lot of kyber and the Sith kind of always use kyber to kind of destroy, you know, and that's how the Death Star and Starkiller Base was powered. So maybe we could kind of see it before or during that transition into Star- Starkiller Base, if it is in fact Ilum. And then we kind of see an aquatic planet and I'm not sure if it's supposed to be Mon Cala, if it's like a polar region of that planet, but I, I would like seeing some biodiversity, you know, in some of these worlds. <laughs>
1: That would be cool. We've already seen uh, Mon currency, and so yeah, I you know it's a it's a major race in Star Wars that would be cool to see the homeworld of.
0: Yeah, and then Sasha Banks, she is confirmed to be in this series that was formerly just a rumor, and some people are speculating she's a Jedi or connected to Jedi because the. Armorers, Words, Sorcerers, Carl, Jedi kind of goes over her face. And she's kind of like the person everyone's talking about in the trailer. And some people are wondering if she's supposed to be Sabine Wren from Rebels. But I kind of wonder if she's just a new character. One thing I think I'm the most excited for is the pirate ship. Maybe it's a submarine, but it looks like they're on that aquatic world. And this kind of just gets my hopes up for, like, a Pirates of the Caribbean Disney Plus show, you know? Because I think it's more feasible, you know, like, using the volume technology. And I don't think people would be quite as excited for pirates movies but i think like a tv show you could kind of have a highly produced show and kind of just tell weekly stories and like rather than just like kind of like a pirates movie after pirates movie like what do you think about that
1: yeah i mean i don't know like i'm kind of indifferent towards a pirates movie uh i would rather see something like in the world of pirates but I don't know. I uh, I think the volume technology could be utilized more. I'd rather see I'd rather see like a Tron sequel. Oh.
0: I think the Tron sequel is happening. Like I think it's a movie right now, but like it could always be turned into a Disney Plus something or other uh because that's what Disney's like really uh wanting to take off right now, but it's just interesting to think about like if you're listening Uh, what is a certain show you would like to see? Let us know. There's some uh, shots of X-Wings, and I kind of got the vibe that they're kind of just more like cops right now giving out speeding tickets, you know? Like, they're kind of like, we want a war, now what do we do? You know, like, the First Order quite isn't there, so it's kind of like they're kind of just being galactic cops. So maybe they could be someone who helps Mando or someone who like is like, is Mando good or bad or what's going on? Um,
1: yeah. It wasn't quite clear what the intentions of the X-Wings were. Cause they, they kind of flew in escort to the Mandalorian ship. And then, but then there was also sequences of them like chasing after him. So yeah, that, I mean, but I, I agree. They kind of seem like they're the kind of the space police though. Yeah. They're not very good at boarding and and hauling prisoners cuz X-wings are just single-seated ships, so I don't know.
0: Yeah. Hopefully they're not just there for fan service. Then there's a a couple more shots of like a swoop on Tatooine and someone swears they can see like Boba Fett's jetpack, so I don't know quite if it's going to be revealed that Boba Fett's alive. Or if someone just has his armor. But I wonder if they're finally going to do something with that. Because of course in Legends, Boba Fett lived. And right now in canon, his fate is undetermined. So maybe we'll get answers. And then there's a brief shot of Grief and Cara Dune. Grief has a new outfit and kind of more a stately beard. And... I kind of used to be more excited about Cara Dune's character, but right now I'm kind of just wondering if uh, the character will be written out, recast, or killed off. Just because, like, it kind of seems like the actress, like Gina Carano, has, like, kind of been posting some conspiracy theories, nude photos, you know, and beep-bop-boop on her pages, and... Uh, in the Star Wars galaxy, like, I think they would say, like, this is not the way. <laughs> and, I mean, like, you have to allow people to become better. But I think, like, right now it's kind of just putting Disney in, like, a position they don't want to be in. Like, you have to let people change, but I don't think, like, what she's doing is, like, the most professional behavior when she's representing Disney. But we'll, we'll see what happens, so...
1: Yeah, I mean, she's being attacked about as much as uh, what's her name from uh, the sequel trilogy. And it's
0: Uh, which is hard, like you don't want to see people attacked. But I think she kind of started it and isn't kind of being like apologetic. So it's kind of just a hard situation that I think she kind of brought on herself. And it kind of seems like she kind of just seems to be having a JK Rowling meltdown and yeah.
1: With the possibility of Pedro Pascal leaving, like it's possible that, that it might be tough for a season three anyway. So.
0: Yeah. I mean, nothing is confirmed. I, my guess is like things have been resolved, but like I could understand like Pedro Pascal just wanting to have more scenes as an actor. My guess is, like, Disney would make it right. He's probably not going anywhere. Who knows? Maybe The Mandalorian could be more of, like, a Doctor Who character. Like, and that could be interesting, you know? Like, I just want the best possible story told. And if anyone can really pull off good storytelling, it's probably Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. So. Yeah. It's kind of funny to me that, like, TIE Fighters we haven't ever before like seen them taking off and landing before the Mandalorian. Like that kind of boggles my mind, but now it like makes sense. Like just seeing them, you know?
1: Yeah. I, I like it as a, like a revised design, but I think, I don't think there's any problem with it as a revised design, but it also made sense with the traditional way of, of landing right on top of, it's, oh, uh, it's like, it's solar rays or whatever they are. And so, I don't know, I, I'm cool with it. I don't see anything wrong with it, but I never really saw anything wrong with the original style either.
0: There's some rumors that Moth Gideon is going to be flying something a bit bigger, like a Star Destroyer, like being in charge of that. And it'd be kind of cool to see, like on a TV show, I think, because there's some clips of like Stormtroopers and it looks like they're on a Star Destroyer, you know?
1: I mean, that would make Um, sense because most, most moths do have command of at least one Destroyer.
0: Yeah, he's an, he's a, he's a pretty great moth. So he has the Black Saber and he survived, you know, so I would, I would entrust him with one. And I really like seeing the swoop chase with the Stormtroopers kind of making that big leap down and just watching that i'm like i want to do that like maybe it's because i've just kind of been cooped up this year but i'm like i want to like just go fast and like fill the adrenaline and like go fast and kind of make a big leap and know i'd be probably okay i'm gonna look forward to that set piece i think but yeah mando has a jet pack hopefully he doesn't overuse it i wonder what the limits are gonna be And then we see some Gamorreans fighting. They kind of look a little bit too skinny for my taste, but maybe they'll fix it. And then when the Mando is going to get into a fight, he just uh, stays in his egg container and it goes black. And then when he opens it up, the fight's over. Mando's the last one standing. I thought that was a funny detail. And then, of course, it showed that the Mandalorian will be released on October 30th and then that is the the release date so we'll kind of keep up with the uh second season so all right you can find us on Instagram at the Evan Hawk podcast and the Evan Hawk can be found on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts as well as everywhere else that Anchor Podcasts are distributed. If you check out the link In the bio of our Instagram, that is the easiest way to find our podcast. And subscriptions, reviews, and shares help us out. Uh, It helps us get seen every time you subscribe. Give us a five-star review and share our podcast with your friends and family. Then our email is ebonhawkpodcast at gmail.com. And you're welcome to email us your questions and business inquiries.
1: And if you want to follow me, I'm also on Instagram and uh, at Conan Bond. Uh, you can also talk to me live on twitch.tv forward slash Conan Bond. And I normally tweet out when I go live. So you find me on Twitter on the same handle. Our intro and outro themes were composed by Alistair Shorman. And he can be found at com forward slash Alistair Sounds. Our transition music was composed by Christian Walker and he can be found at christianwalkermusic.com. Music.com.
0: All right. This has been the Ebon Hawk podcast. May the force be with you. We will be back soon. Bye for now.